But today, uh, the message is about the transfiguration of Jesus, this mysterious, wonderful, luminous thing that happened with Jesus' body uh, on that particular uh, mountainside that day. I want to read to you from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning in verse 28. About eight days after saying this, Jesus climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became blinding white. At once two men were there talking with him. They turned out to be Moses and Elijah, and what a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking. While he was babbling on like this, a light radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless. And they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The idea of Messiah in Jesus' day would take a lot of unpacking because there are a lot of strange notions, a lot of popular notions about who Messiah was going to be and what Messiah was going to do. And I was thinking for our purposes, if you could think of Messiah, uh, the popular notions of Messiah in Jesus' day as sort of a combination of Superman, Iron Man, and uh, the heroine of Star Wars, the little lady named Rey, all rolled into one. You might be getting close to a Jewish concept of Messiah because in their minds it was all about military uh, and political victory, throwing off of their backs the oppressive, cruel Roman regime. It was about vindicating themselves. It was about revenge. It was about killing off those who were hurting us. It was about uh, being a hero in the classic sense of a modern movie today. But Jesus came along And he filled that word and that concept of Messiah with new and different meaning. Just before the scriptures uh, that I read from Luke 9, beginning in verse 28, Jesus had taken time to say to his disciples, I'm going to be Messiah, but I'm going to be Messiah in a totally different way. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be abused, something that they never saw Messiah ever doing. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be defeated. And only after that will I rise again. What's more, he said, if you're going to follow me as Messiah, you're going to have to learn about daily taking up your cross and dying and following me by dying to selfishness. And that was a totally new concept. And it's as if 
God came along and said, now I want to put my stamp of approval on Jesus' version of Messiahship. And the way I'm going to put my stamp of approval on Jesus' version of what it means to be Messiah is that I'm going to take three of you up there on that mountain and you're going to see Jesus transformed. You're going to see this marvelous experience of light. I'm going to pull back the curtain on his godness and let you see, and that will be my stamp of approval. It's the way Jesus said. And by the way, that transfiguration experience defies any kind of category, any kind of uh, analogy. We really don't have categories uh, or uh, things that are like transfiguration. Uh, We can approximate it. Uh, After a snowstorm, uh, the very next day, In the winter when the sun is shining brightly, you go outside and that bright winter sunlight is bouncing off of that white snow and you maybe even have sunglasses on and it's still not enough to to, uh, deflect the power of that white bright light. That's something like what the disciples were experiencing when they looked at Jesus. The message said uh, in what I read a few moments ago, it was blinding white light. The Amplified Bible says it was dazzling white, flashing with the brilliance of lightning. Flashing with the brilliance of lightning. That's what that experience was like. And there was a lot going on at Transfiguration, uh, more than we have time to think about it. But if you could just think about past, present, and future. Past. Jesus was not there by himself, uh, by himself, he was with Moses and Elijah. That was God saying, what Jesus is doing is consistent with the past. It's consistent with the promises I've given Israel. I keep my word. There's been a plan and action ever since long ago. And they are here to confirm the fact that Jesus is carrying on that plan. That's the past. The present. What were they talking about when Jesus was standing there with Moses and Elijah? They were talking about his exodus. That's the actual Greek word, his exodus. Jesus is the new Moses. But this Moses is going to have to die to liberate his people, us. He's going to give his life so that we might be forgiven and liberated from a life of sin. He's speaking about his death, which would very soon take place. That's the present, dying for us. And then the future. The transfiguration was also a way of God saying, What will happen to my son will not be the end of the story. He won't just die. He won't just die for your sins. But he will overcome death. He will return alive. He will set up his reign. His glory will fill the whole world. And I want to give you just a glimpse of glowing glory. I just want you to have a, a smidgen, just a touch, of what Jesus' resurrection glory will be like. Past, present, future. That's the transfiguration. Now, the thing that's interesting to me is almost at the very end of this story how Jesus continues to be the center of attention but all the other characters start fading away. Even in verse uh, 32, I love the uh, CEV, the Contemporary English Version that says, When the disciples awoke, suddenly they woke up and saw how glorious Jesus was. Is that your biography? Is that your spiritual story? Is that your testimony about how you came to faith? 
about how you got saved, how you first came to trust Jesus Christ, that suddenly one day you woke up and saw how glorious Jesus is. And what, what started happening at this Mount of Transfiguration is that there, there was no heavenly commentary about Moses. Moses was the great lawgiver. But there was no heavenly commentary about Moses. He fades away. There was no heavenly commentary about Elijah, the great prophet. You would expect uh, the, the Jewish presence to be there to where there'd be a commentary on him. wasn't any commentary. The only commentary was on one, Jesus. It's as if Moses and Elijah just faded and Jesus in the middle was lifted high. And the voice thundered from heaven, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. Everything else fades, and it's only Jesus. In fact, Luke makes that comment at the very conclusion of our passage. He says, when the disciples stopped blinking and all of the the smoke and the clouds cleared away, the disciples found only Jesus. Only Jesus. Moses and Elijah, everything else gone, lifted up, only Jesus. What do you think scripture is trying to say? What do you think Luke was trying to say? A lot, but just a couple of thoughts. He was speaking of Jesus' authority and he was speaking of Jesus' sufficiency. Jesus is our authority. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When our children were little, I remember our middle child, Kristen, came home from school one day excited that she was learning uh, punctuation marks. She was learning what all of the punctuation marks stood for. She came home from school one day and I remember she said, Daddy, she'd learned about the exclamation mark. She said, I know what this means. I said, what's that mean, honey? She says, when you see this in a sentence, it means, and I mean it. And she was right, right? When you see a punctuation mark, an exclamation mark, that means I mean it. Jesus is God's exclamation mark. Jesus is God saying, and I mean it. I love you like crazy, and I mean it. I'm never going to give up on you, and I mean it. Stop living in a self-destructive way of disobedience that is just enslaving you and driving you farther away from my arms. And I mean it. Jesus is God's exclamation point. This is authority. The voice said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. And I want to ask you a personal question. Is the Lordship of Jesus operative in your life? Simple question, but one worth pondering. Is the Lordship of Jesus Christ operative in your life? That is to say, does his voice weigh more than the voice of other people? Your peers and friends at school, your friends at work, Is his voice stronger than culture's voice? Is his voice stronger than your own self-will? Does the voice and the authority of Jesus count for more in your life 
than the voice and authority of other things and other powers and other influences. We're thinking about, isn't it? You know, when the early church started confessing Jesus is Lord, that was a dangerous political statement because the Romans insisted that people go around saying Caesar is Lord. And for the followers of Jesus to stand up and say Jesus is Lord was to say in the same breath, Caesar is not. So Jesus basically got crucified because he said that I am Lord above nationalism, I am Lord above materialism, I am Lord above legalism, all the rules of churchiness. So I will ask the question again. Is the Lordship of Christ operative in every area of your life? He is authority. Because on that mountain scene, the voice from heaven came and said, This is my Son, my chosen. Listen to Him. But it's not only designating Jesus as authority, but it's also designating Him as sufficiency. Jesus is sufficient. This is my son. Listen to him. He's all you're ever going to need. This is my son, my chosen. He's all you're ever going to want. Somebody said one time that when you lose everything but God, you find out God is all you need. Have you ever been in that place? When you lose everything but God, you find out God is all you need. Isn't that the essence of repentance? Isn't that what it is to be broken before God and say, I'm a sinner. I can't do this myself. I need you to forgive me. I need to trust you. I need to put the full weight of my life committed to you. You are my sufficiency. You're all I need. Jesus is sufficient. You know, when I was a little boy, mom tried to teach me piano. I took a few piano lessons from mom, but It didn't take, by the way. Uh, But she would say, son, you know, just the first thing you always do is find middle C. If you find middle C, then you can find everything else. But if you start in the wrong place, everything else you're going to play is going to sound really messy. She said, but if you can find middle C, then everything you play, once you learn to play, is going to be pretty and it's going to be harmonious and it's going to be nice. Jesus is our middle C. You start with Jesus and there is a sufficiency. There's a way that so many things fall into place. But when you start in the wrong place, you will always end up in the wrong place. And it won't sound pretty and it won't be harmonious and it won't be pleasant. Jesus is sufficient. He's enough. He is the bread of life to those who are hungry. He is the water of life to those who are thirsty. He is the way of life to those who are are lost and confused. Jesus is sufficient. He is everything we need. I like this quote by uh, Frederick Buechner. You maybe have seen it on Facebook. A Christian is one who points at Christ and says, I can't prove a thing, but there's something about his eyes and his voice. There's something about the way he carries his head his hands, the way he carries his cross, the way he carries me. There's just something about Jesus. 
the way he carries himself, the way he carries his cross, the way he carries me. Jesus is sufficient. And the voice came from heaven and said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. 